Hello, this is the 8th designfootball.com podcast, uh, the home of football design chats, let's call it that. Yep. Uh, I'm Jay, I write blogs on designfootball.com and do this podcast really. Uh, today I'm joined by Austin Long from the Soccer Nomad blog and also podcast. Uh, we're going to discuss MLS. Major League Soccer and the jerseys and kit therein. Hi, Austin. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, not so bad. Uh, so my knowledge of MLS is poor. Um, I think I wrote one article for the blog about eight years ago, which was uh, bordering on derogatory. Uh, if you give me a bit of an overview of how the MLS works, how long has the MLS been going now? So this season, 2016, will be their 21st season. That seems a long time because I do remember when it came about and I, I remember when it was people were in talks to start it up again because there was something in the, the 70s, which you, you'll probably explain to me in a second as well. But I remember it being talked about in the early 90s and there was the possibility of different zones on the pitch where if you shot outside the area, you'd maybe get more points for a goal. I don't know how close that was to actually coming to fruition but that that's what I remember now for it to be 21 years old now it's quite established um so what are the origins for that how did it how did it come out come about and what was the situation between the old league and the MLS what was the situation of, of professional football in in America Right. Uh, so the North American Soccer League was from 1968 to 1984. So some of your listeners may be familiar with, you know, Pele played and uh, Johan Cruyff came over, Beckenbauer, uh, Cornelia, uh, Rodney Marsh, those sorts of guys. So in, it, they grew really quickly. They had a expansion phase, got Pele and things were going and then the money just dried up and the league collapsed. So that's 1984. Uh, after that, the league sort of, or soccer in this country, uh, basically existed indoors. There have been a number of indoor soccer leagues with several acronyms, but that's how the that's how soccer sort of existed from 1984, late 80s, let's say. And then the World Cup came around. They bid and they won the rights to the 1994 World Cup with the sort of understood stipulation that a domestic league needed to be formed actually ahead of time and that didn't work that didn't happen so 1994 world cup rolls around it's a huge success huge crowds it's a big deal and they finally got enough investors so they're investors not necessarily uh, owners um per se and in 1996 they rolled out the first season so there were you know 10 or 12 teams uh scattered around the country and it you know, took baby steps and for the first four or five years, things were going pretty well. They may be expanded too fast in my, in my opinion. And so they had to contract. So in the early two thousands, the league was hanging on by a thread and um, they sort of restructured, they got some additional owner operators and then they source, they start climbing out. They, 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 the league is very big on incremental growth and they, they learned the lessons of the NASL and of the early years of the league and they are not trying to buy, you know, they're not trying to buy Lionel Messi. They're not trying to buy superstars and have or, or have one team take control. It's a very even playing field. American sports is very about very um, 
particular about revenue sharing and trying to create parity so that every team has a chance as opposed to super clubs that you might see in Germany or Spain or Italy, that sort of thing. So 21st season, the, se it, the league is pretty healthy at this point. Uh, they're hoping to expand to 24 teams by, I think they say 2020 or give or take, uh, with the eye of adding four more teams in the next window after that, which is the 2026-2028 range. But the league is healthy. Uh, they made a lot of rule changes that you know you can we can go into or not. But the league is is a much different place, a much healthier place at this point. Okay, all sounds good. Uh, and it's something that's there seems to be more interest in Europe into the uh, into MLS now than than say there was a few years ago. It's taken a lot more seriously. Um, just on the subject of indoor league, so. If you go, you, you could Google this and look at the old kits and stuff. There's fantastic old kits from the NASL, which also incorporates Canada. But this is something that a lot of people forget is that the MLS and NASL uh, are sort of North American leagues rather than just uh, American. Uh, so it's Canadian teams are in there as well. So if you go back, you look at some of the old kits from the 70s or the 80s and some of the indoor team kits as well. Quite interesting stuff there, and a lot of them sort of feature in um, sort of worse kits things. And there was a team which had tassels on the, the shirt, I think, which seems to pop up all the time. Uh, regarding indoor teams, there's an indoor team in recent years called Portman Kunis United. Now, just Google them. I don't want to talk about them too much. Uh, we've talked about them on designfootball.com before, but they had some great shirts. Uh, just an amateur team, just a bunch of friends, I would have thought, who came together and, and they put a, a team together, like five-a-side teams in the UK, for example. Uh, but if you go back and look at their kits and the reason why their kits are such, is is makes for interesting reading. Um, one of the... In terms of funding for the leagues now, for the MLS now, one of the big things is the Adidas deal, which is like a monopoly. They make all of the teams in MLS wear an Adidas kit. Could you explain that for us as well? Right. So in the beginning, it was a each team sort of negotiated their own deal. And um, while it may have worked for them from a revenue perspective, it created a, the, the kits were all over the place. There were all kinds of sponsors. And... Anyway, we won't go into the design part of that right now. But anyway, in 2005, so Adidas took over as the sole kit manufacturer. And that really, it, it did tidy things up. It made the league more uniform. So American sports, again, sort of an American sports reference, American leagues signed with one manufacturer. And they produce all the jerseys, tops, all that sort of thing. So MLS in 2005 went with that. And in 2010, they negotiated uh, an eight-year deal for $200 million. So that runs through 2018. Um, and so then in 2018, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, you and I have sort of talked on site about what might happen, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Adidas has been very involved. They, ha they are involved in youth development. I mean, they're, they, it, they are all in. It's not just like we roll out a shirt every year, every two years, and that's uh, that's the end. They they have the Generation Adidas deal, which which helps take um, players who are, are college age, university age, and gives them a chance to sort of um, skip the college uh, experience while saving money so that they can go back at a later date, which allows people to get into the pipeline sooner. So anyway, Adidas has been very involved. Okay. It's interesting stuff. It is 
it does strike me as as a national league, and I know that I think Adidas also do the NBA. Do they? Is that right? Yes, I think they recently took over. Yeah. So again, it, for, in both cases, it seems that we are because there are big um, U.S. manufacturers, New Balance, uh, well, New Balance Warrior, which is the same company. Um, the, there is Under Armour as well, and uh, Nike, obviously the, the biggest one. Uh, right. It surprises me a little bit that they haven't jumped on this, especially with Nike's involvement with soccer around the world. So they they do pick up very very big contracts. So for them not to to have it or certainly be bidded for it, but I suppose that's something we'll we'll see in in the years to come whether Nike can actually come along with a a bid to take it over at some stage because they've got the the national team now which Adidas had before. So maybe at some point they will take over the league if this is the the system that will continue. Right. I mean, jumping in real quick, like Under Armour and New Balance slash Warrior would ha- in 2010 were, uh, let's see, so what was the first year of, I mean, Under Armour really started, um, they, as you, as uh, your favorite thing is base layers, that's really where they started and they've grown into uh, football. They really took over football. Uh, I think their president or founder went to Maryland. So he took Maryland college football uniforms and went crazy with them in the same way that Nike sort of plays with the Oregon uniforms. And then they got, you know, they got involved with Tottenham and they're slowly, they're slowly, you know, building up a soccer po- portfolio. Warrior jumped in with, you know, uh, Liverpool and Sevilla and, you know, now they switched to New Balance. So they have Celtic. And I think in 2018, I don't know if they're going to have 250 or 300 million dollars to jump in, and because I figured that's what the contract MLS would, with the minimum MLS would ask for. Uh, I don't know if they'll have that sort of, you know, that money sitting around. And Nike, like you said, like Nike has U.S. soccer. It seems to me that they would just own American soccer. We'll see if that's the case. Hmm. The um, in terms of the figures that you're talking about there, that that results in a a very small amount going to each club, I would take it, in terms of the, that contract. Compared with the big European teams, each MLS team is getting very little for the kit contract. Is that right? Right. Uh, what I looked at is, so if you take us, you know, it's, it's, it was eight years at uh, $200 million, so it's $25 million a year uh, for the league. And if you, you know, there's 20 teams right now. So if you divide 20 that by 20, you're down to $1.25 million per team. And uh, like you said, that's that's minuscule, you know, in, in preparation. You know, a Schneid's Adidas deal 75 million pounds a year for 10 years. That's insane. I mean, even uh, looking at the top 10, even PSG is at 19 million pounds per year. That's through 2022. And then I was trying to maybe go outside of that and see if I could find anything South American, Mexico. And I found Adidas uh, signed a river, or excuse me, River Plate signed an Adidas deal which is uh, 60 million over six years. So they're still getting $10 million a year. And I think I converted it to 7 million pounds, but um, yeah, I mean, 10 million, 10 million is a lot more than 1 million. And I think, you know, MLS has revenue stream issues. They, you know, their TV contracts really not worth what it is, what other big countries are worth Their their kit manufacturer is is nothing like anything in the rest of the world so they have a long way to go to have that sort of financial financial muscle to compete around the world hmm. it, it it is interesting because it, we say uh we talk about the revenue streams in mls obviously uh based on the influence now certainly from 
Europe, I suppose, you do have a, a central shirt sponsor in MLS as opposed to the being completely uh, club centric let's call it or club or franchise whatever you call want to call it in the in the other sports in america so you if you have anything on the front you either have a big number or you have the the name of the team um which is something that you used to have in the mls but now you do have the a sponsor and they they're individual deals as well so each club can even though they're they're forced to wear an adidas kit they can wear an individual sponsor as well which is uh it's just strange i don't know how how does the american public react to that um, I think it, at the beginning it was strange. Uh, the the early uniforms were so crazy that really the the sponsor, if there was one, got sort of lost in the shuffle. Was not even people. That's not what people were looking at when they were looking at the early shirts. So for 2016, every for the first time ever, each team will have an individual kit sponsor, and uh, I think you know that speaks to revenue stream. It it speaks to forming partnerships with either local or national brands to get um the the mls brand out there in a way and in in most of these shirt sponsors are tastefully done they're not kind of crazy sort of out there logos they're very you know they're they're very professional looking word marks and i think it adds to the jersey rather than taking away yeah we've seen um the typefaces changes so we'll talk about it in a second but it it does seem quite quite a sober way of uh, presenting the brands especially as opposed to like i said the early mls shirts where it had the team name with i don't know flames coming out of it or something like that which is uh so the graphical element there's definitely been a a sea change in in the way they're presenting the shirts now as well uh for shirt releases is how does this kit cycle work is it a yearly change for all the kits how does that work so a couple years ago, uh, probably about the time of the renegotiation for Adidas, they decide to release a new, so each team would release a new kit each year. Now, each kit is on a two-year cycle. So for instance, uh, what you know, Houston Dynamo this year released their away jersey. So they will hold over their 2015 home shirts and that will be their home shirt for 2016. Then in 2017, they will release a, home sh- a new home shirt and then roll over the new black away shirt into 2017 is that does that make sense yeah so it is i think we probably regard that as the old style of of european the old style european approach so there's several ways that it's done in europe sponsor changes can force a team into changing their shirt anyway but now most teams change every season and all of the kits every season but what it used to be was you would keep the both shirts for two seasons and if it was staggered in some way then one would be carried over and then the other one would change um also away shirts used to become the third shirt as well but i'm not sure is that how it works with the change say secondary jerseys do they become like a tertiary jersey in in mls or does it not work like that it it doesn't really work like that not every team has a third jersey and they're trying to weed those out they uh there was a big consternation about the portland timbers third jersey from last year which is one of the best jerseys in the history of mls but uh they basically adidas had to scrap that and um they were kind of le- the vibe was no more third jerseys but then they rolled out a third one for seattle so no one's really sh- there's no as far as i can tell there's no official policy but MLS stays away from the third jerseys for the most part. Now, there will be a special maybe um, celebration. Uh, LA Galaxy did a uh, 
supporter design third shirt a couple years ago. So they do pop up from time to time, but they really, it's not really part of the uh, portfolio. Okay. I mean, you've mentioned a few, few jerseys there. Now, what you used to have is something called uh, Jersey Week, didn't you? So shortly before the season started, there'd be a Jersey Week and everything would be released. And is that how it used to work? Yeah, I mean, up until last year, that's how it worked. And I had, uh, you know, you and I had talked about this this podcast. And so I was like, well, it'll be the first week of March leading into the first game on March 6th. So let's kind of play around that. And then in beginning of February, they just started leaking out this sort of drip, drip, drip. And uh, almost all of them have been released. And so what they're what they're framing it as is they are releasing the designs and they will be available for purchase, I believe, February 29th, which is that week before the season starts. Okay. Now, some of the ones you, you've mentioned there, I think from a European point of view, now it's not something I really understand. But if you ask people in this country about MLS and you, you ask them, do you have a favorite team? It seems to be that the Portland Timbers are the the big team in Europe or, I don't know, in, in London where people uh, are obsessed or, or get geeky about uh, world football. Then Portland Timbers are the are the team. Now, they've released a new, a shirt, a new, uh, is it new secondary kit? Is that right? Correct. Okay. So I, I noticed like a hipster team. I noticed that in the publicity images, the player that, modeled the kit had a big beard like a proper hipster now i don't know if that's <laughs> deliberate and that's that's a marketing thing or if he's the best player or what but um tell us a little bit about the kit anyway yeah so for their away shirt um so portland if you, if you know anything about the portland timbers you would probably associate them with green and green is their home shirt but they are also known as the rose city and so they use this rose red and that's been pretty much a staple of their away shirts uh, since since their introduction into MLS in what was it 20, 2011. Um, but for this season they took um, the rose red and they blended it with black. So there's sort of repeating gradients. Um, it's a it's an interesting look. It's not sort of the black and red of say the most recent Germany away shirts. It's not like bars. It's it's more of a gradient transition. So it's, it's an interesting look. Um, there's also, if you look very, very closely, sort of thorns on the sort of edges uh, due to, you know, Rose City thorns, that sort of thing. It's an interesting look. I, I'm i not sure if I like it or not. I think it might grow on me, but um, it, when I looked at it, I was drawn to the badge. If it, the badge is amazing. Portland has a very, has a, has a, one of the top crest badges in mls and what they did for this year is they made it they made the axe and the the chevrons blood red and they got rid of the words portland timbers and it looks amazing okay so, so the so this is the the club crest that it doesn't have the words on it anymore is that right right okay it's, it's an interesting shirt the the thing i'd say about that is as you say when you think of portland you think of green and that's so away from that completely it's like forget the home strip the the uh, primary jersey completely that we've done something completely different and it's almost like it's a different club so i don't know much about mls if i looked at that i i don't know whether it's the home shirt or the away shirt i i don't know whether you you lose a little bit of identity that way is that is that something that maybe has been leveled at it or has been a consideration uh, there that 
is a consideration. I think what they did is um, if you if you follow like like you say like if you're like a casual observer or you just, you turn into a TV and you're like who's this team in red and like Portland? Well, Portland does what do I, there's if you don't know the connection between the Rose City and the Portland Timbers, then there might be a little bit of disconnect. But in terms of MLS and branding, there you know it, it it does make sense because like I said, their their home shirt is very green, that sort of dark hunter green. And the away shirt has been red and white, and now it's just red and black. So I think they're just trying something different. A lot of the um, a lot of the jerseys this year um, are trying something different, and I this is a this this is not as out there as some of them, and and I think it does work. Okay. the The other one you mentioned there was Houston Dynamo. Now I I have a sort of a, spot, a soft spot for them because. In I don't know which year it would have been. It probably would have been 2007 or maybe 2008. They had a very similar uh, similar primary jersey to the Olympique de Marseille third shirt from around there, which was like orange with pale blue. And I think that was the the home design. Uh, this this season they've got I think it's an away one, and it, they've released it with paint it black as the as like a hashtag marketing thing, which is a black shirt with a chevron design in sort of three stripes is very similar to the the germany shirt that they won the world cup in how is that one being received it's it's very hit and miss uh the haters go why are we ripping off germany and the lovers are going i love the all black shirt finally um i was listening to uh one of the adidas the um Adidas uh, senior project manager, his name is Mike Walker. He was on the Extra Time Radio podcast, and he's been trying to get them, uh, trying to get Houston to adopt a black shirt. They've been their their secondary shirt has always been white with some sort of orange trim and and accenting and that sort of thing. And he's been trying to get them for the last couple of years to get to, to 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 do a black one. And he finally convinced them. I think it works. I really like it. It's black. It's got these sort of uh, varying orange chevron, but then it uses the baby blue, which is their third color, around the cuffs and uh, the collar, and I, I really like it. Okay. So, so this is it is a secondary jersey, is it? Correct. Okay, so it is a secondary. All right. So, I mean, this is the the thing, and we be- bemoan it a lot of the time, but black is such a popular. For, in terms of sales, it's such a popular color to use. So it's not doesn't surprise me that Adidas are pushing for them to have it. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I like it. I like the design. The thing that's interesting, most interesting for me is uh, the use of an old graf- graphical element. We won't call it a template because the, the, the actual construction of the shirt will be on a, a more modern template. But to, to reuse a graphical design from a couple of years ago on a new shirt is interesting. It's something that Chelsea did in around 2011 i think when they their away shirt was was black with uh, a white uh, sorry a yellow graphic on the front uh which was sort of copied from the france shirt that they wore at 2010 world cup which sort of highlighted the abdominal muscles on the right. on the front of the shirt and chelsea had that so it's not something you see too often but Adidas, I think, are giving a lot of teams like a tartan effect for the Euro 2016 as well. So it's just this recycling of old graphical elements. And it's interesting it... when it works. It's a it's a good thing. But I, I don't know if I was a fan of a team who, who got a kit like that. I don't know if I'd be too pleased about it. Well, for, from an American's perspective, I think I, I try to find... 
you know, I sort of skimmed all the old jerseys in preparation for this. I cannot, I cannot find an example of a Chevron being used. Now, Chevrons were used, you know, Manchester United used them a couple of years ago. Germany used them for their World Cup kits. Um, you know, that's, it's a, I wouldn't say a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I wouldn't say it's a typical European design, but it's, it's out there uh, from time to time. And for American fans, they, I think they'll either love it or hate it. They may not understand that's used around the world uh but i think it you know they they took something that's like hardcore soccer nerds like us would be you know we can instantly rattle off like a bunch of teams or templates that's been used on but for the casual fan which a lot of mls fans are they'll be like oh that's cool it's sort of like an, a v effect and and i and i think it'll be interesting i think it will help that and the black i think will help the sales of this one yeah i i'd agree with that and and it's certainly marketed towards the the casual fan or, or the fan that wouldn't necessarily uh, ordinarily buy a, a replica jersey to have it in black. That's always the approach, or it's it seems to be the approach that you you might not usually buy a jersey, but what if we give you it in black so it doesn't stand out too much and it, it it's not a big problem. I, I, it is a classy shirt, and and black shirts just work out that way. So yeah, uh, another one I've noticed is. Real, I don't know how you pronounce this, but I suppose it's Real Salt Lake. Um, They've got a shirt which, just continuing the Spanish theme, I suppose, looks like the new Spain shirt. And that's exactly what I wrote down. Uh, It's their new home shirt. It's uh, So Real Salt Lake uses some combination of red, cobalt, and yellow. So last year they sort of had an energetic yellow band across the chest. They got rid of that. Um... You know, this year's got it's mostly the red with the cobalt and yellow accents. I I actually wrote down I feel like it's a Spain ripoff, <laughs> and I don't like the pinstripes, but I, I don't know. It's it's okay. Real Salt Lake has been in terms of kit design has really been all over the place. Um, let me say that a, a different way. Real Salt Lake has followed the template in Real Salt Lake colors, and they've do- never done anything exciting. And this is just, it's just down the middle. They're very down the middle there. Hmm. Okay. Well, what's the, how are the, how well supported are Real Salt Lake in terms of the other teams? Because, uh, so where is this? Is this Utah? Is that, is that where they're based? Correct. Okay. So how is, how is this translated there? Is, is have people got on board with the idea? Because they're a relatively new club, aren't they? Free Real Salt Lake, they're hardcore fans. The Rio Tinto is where they play. That place is, they have real home field advantage there. Now, outside of that, they're usually a team that's hated. Um, Most teams don't like them because they had a lot of early success. Um, They're very uh, sort of gritty, uh, grindy. They're just, they work real hard. They're not necessarily too flashy. Um, and, And so... I mean, Salt Lake, they are beloved. Outside of that, not so much. Okay. Now, moving to California, I believe that's where LA is. Uh, the LA Galaxy, uh, they've got a new primary jersey this season. They kept the last one for two years, as is as is the way now. This one's fantastic, isn't it? It's, I, I particularly like it. Is the, has it been well-received? This has been one of my favorite ones. Um, they had, um, basically with the rebrand with Beckham, it changed their they they went whole hog on the rebranding and really changed everything was was this converted to white was did they convert to white to welcome him how did that work yeah okay so la galaxy uh 
if you search out their first jersey, it was horrendous. I won't go on to that. But anyway, they basically used teal, gold, and black, and they usually use some sort of vertical bars. Then in 2003, switched to a sort of gold uh, uniform with some green slashes. Anyway, so David Beckham comes in 2007. They go to an all-white strip to – I. I've read that it was to echo the Real Madrid transfer, so that they, you know he kept that branding going. I think they wanted to they redid the badge. They just they just totally revamped everything, but they went white with their sort of a very dark navy blue and um, this sort of very this rich gold yellow color. And in 2014, so excuse me, in 2012 they went uh, they first introduced a sash on the home shirt, so it was a navy blue. Sash had a geometric pattern. They did a 2014 version, which is similar. The sash was similar to what uh, Spurs are wearing right now, sort of gradient uh, across the across the shirt. And so, in 2016, they actually did a two-color sash. Uh, it's the dark blue and the yellow. Uh, they had a similar version of this in the early 2000s, but. Um, I think my only complaint about this, oh, sorry, real quick, is they use the blue and the gold around the collar and the cuffs, and it just, it really frames the jersey really well. Uh, but the sash is sort of not uniform, which kind of bugs me. I don't know how you feel about that, but the, the navy blue section seems to be slightly larger. Other than that, it's it's one of the best ones. Oh, okay. I don't think I've actually noticed that. So they must be very close in size, but if you look closely, one's bigger than the other. So that would annoy me. I think... Uh... OCD is is a standard problem for the for the kit geek. So yeah, if if they, if it's slightly out, then that's a big problem. If it was a if it was out by a long way, I probably could handle it. But I'll, I'll have to take a closer look at that. The the whole Beckham thing is interesting. So when uh, David Beckham came to MLS, that that boosted. I don't know if it if it actually had a long term effect or whether moving away from the whole Beckham influence has actually been a, a better thing. But when Beckham came originally, my first thought was. Okay, well, he's he's going to be the star player, and he's going to drop back down. Uh, he's going to revert to wearing the number seven shirt, but he he kept the twenty three, which he had been forced to wear at Real Madrid. And I think maybe that was a marketing thing to tie in with Michael Jordan in America, that kind that that sort of idea behind it. And now is is almost synonymous with it. But the that shirt for for them to say we're going to change everything to all white because Beckham's coming over. Obviously it was a massive big deal. He was over he was on all the billboards and everything. But for him he's now gone and you've kept the LA Galaxy have kept on wearing the all white kit. And I, I have actually liked a few of them. I'm not MLS shirts isn't something I, I get too geeky about. I don't know too much about it. But LA Galaxy that is now their look, regardless of the reasons for it. And and this season's jersey or the new new season coming's jersey is uh is a, partic- a particularly good example of that for what i've seen so far uh, they have changed the the wording on the sponsor is that right they have it used to be herbalife in um their sort of their font or their word mark and they've changed it to herbalife products or something it doesn't look the that is a little that doesn't work as well as it has in the past, but it's probably like Sony when Sony went Sony mini disc or sharp, sharp view cam. It's probably the same sort of idea. Mm-hmm. Now, this is uh, this is something that's going to drive people up the wall as well in that for a lot of these teams, for uniformity and consistency, even if they're carried over one of the jerseys, they've still changed the the word mark 
for for whatever. So this one, I think maybe the the uh, LA Galaxy, um, the alternate jersey or secondary jersey, which has been has one been carried over, and that has has actually had the wording changed, hasn't it? Yes. Okay, so if you've bought a replica jersey and your team has changed, has kept the same sponsor, but they changed the font on the jerseys that the players wear, that that would, uh, for for completism, I would imagine people will go out and buy it, um, or geeks certainly will. But for just the average fan to suddenly have their replica jersey made redundant must be frustrating, I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, I think American fans are much, it seems, it would appear that they're much different in terms of that. I mean, yes, they're going to be, again, hardcore people who probably have every single jersey of their favorite MLS team. But I think a lot of casual fans are like, they probably won't notice or there's like, whatever. They're just, it's, you know, they're, you know, for this example, their their alternate jerseys is a really nice navy blue. I really like that one. Uh, but They'll be just like whatever. They they won't even notice. It's not a big deal to them. I, so uh, for American fans, the American casual fan, a will they buy the jersey? Probably not. And if they are, they'll just be. They won't. They won't notice. They won't care. Okay. I think I think that's more evidence that the the world doesn't actually act how I think it does in my own head <laughs> as as a kit geek. I think maybe that's probably. And also, I quite like it because Liverpool did certain things like that in the 80s they i think crown paints decided they didn't like the way the logo was showing one season so the following year liverpool had to change the way the logo was on the same on the same shirt so uh yeah maybe, maybe that's just me uh another team that they're a very new team and they've got they've got particularly striking kits is uh nycfc or new york city football club i'm not sure what they're really known as over there um They've got a new away shirt. So the home kit tends to look like Manchester City because they're they're linked to Manchester City or, or owned by Manchester City. Uh, the away shirt is, is a puddle effect. Is that right? Uh, puddle, ripple, concentric circles. Uh, it's it's interesting. It um, This one I have a hard time... I have a hard time with Re the reasons why are I love navy blue kits in general. So this is it's a navy blue base, which is a is a switch from last year's black uh, with a sort of orange and baby blue trim. So I love the navy blue. The energy it's it's the circles. So the the crest of NYCFC is the center, and then from there it ripples out. And it's supposed to represent the energy of the boroughs and so on. My first my first look at it, I did not like it. But I can see how this one would grow on me. And in conjunction with, if you've seen their marketing video, it's insane. It's, it's, they have Andrea Pirillo, Poku, and who's the third? Oh, David Villa. And they go out into the city and they, they sort of chit chat with like NYCSC fans. And then all of a sudden they like hand them a jersey. And it's the new jersey and people go nuts. And it's just, the, the, the video is amazing. One of the best sort of unveils I've seen in a while. And I, I'm trying to divest myself from whether I, I like the jersey because of that or I'm trying not to hate the jersey so much because it doesn't quite match the video. It, I'm having some – I'm obviously conflicted about it. Hmm. Now, I, I quite like it. I, I have heard that a lot of people have been angry with it. And the, the usual suspects, so the mainstream media in this, this country have said, oh, what a terrible shirt. Look at the stupid shirt that, 
that NYC are going to be wearing next season. Um, I actually quite like it. I actually think that it's a design that has popped up on on design football before, but I'll take a look and and if so, well, it'll be on the notes. If there's nothing on the notes, then clearly I couldn't find it. Um, I, I like it as a design. I think also it's it's the the ripples coming out from the crest as well. So it's like these concentric circles, as you say, moving outwards from the crest so that it's it's the focal point is the club like that. So I'm sure that's something they mentioned in the marketing and and I, I tend not to read that too much. Um, yeah, it's I, I it's good when people do something different and this is something that, that seems to work quite well. And it's a changed jersey and non-changed jerseys, you 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 flex your uh, design muscle, I suppose. So, yeah, good for Absolutely. them on that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, they, they took a chance on this one. And if it sucks, then we live with it for two years and we move on. And then maybe they go back to a pure navy blue jersey or black or whatever. It, it is, they did take a chance on this one. It's not it's not the it's definitely not the worst jersey and it's definitely not the worst jersey in the history of mls so you know i for me i think i'm i'm not totally sold on it right now but i think i this one could grow on me okay uh how about this one then the columbus crew for columbus design now i don't know what that means is that a primary jersey or a secondary jersey okay so for columbus crew columbus crew has basically been yellow home black away and this year they have they really thrown everyone a curveball. They have transitioned the black away jersey, which sort of has a, a subtle checkerboard effect, and they've made that the primary home jersey. Now for the now this new secondary jersey, like you said, it's for Columbus. It's taken from the Columbus City flag, and this one is it has to be seen to be believed. It is. It's awful. It's it may be the worst one this year, uh, for my opinion. It it is. I can't even begin to describe it, but here we go. So it's it's a white base, and it has sort of this highlighter gradient effect down the middle of the chest, and it's very bright. It's very very bright, because uh, that's one that's one third of the Columbus uh, city flag. Now. The shirt uses red trim around the collar and the cuffs, and you know it's sort of got a McDonald's feel to it. That's been that's been floating around the interwebs. And if you can get past the shirt, then you are hit by electric baby blue shorts. Now again, this is another part of the flag, but is very jarring on the eye. I think they could have made it work had they used maybe a white short. And, you know the the yellow would grab your attention, but it might have worked. But the but the combination of baby blue shorts, it's awful, and it is a real eyesore. Yeah, I, I all it's done is, is confuse me. It's the yellow on the front. It looks like it should be a white shirt, but then it's like had had something spilt all down the front. So it's exactly like a, a big stain and, and a yellow stain as well on white. <laughs> it's, it's not, uh, it's not, it, it doesn't evoke good things. Um, I don't know. I don't know if this could be like something that becomes a cult jersey in the future. Maybe that's something they think about, but you don't get the sales from that in five years time. Everyone decides, oh yeah, that one was fantastic. That one really stood out. I'm glad they did something different. It's, you need the sales immediately. If everyone thinks it's disgusting. I don't know. There's there's a marketing approach which is confusing there. The the elements of it being the the Columbus flag, I suppose, is is 
going to chime with people maybe but yeah it's it's a shocking shirt and i don't know whether i mean that in a in a good way or a bad way a, a complete contrast to that is the new <laughs> this is always tricky and I, I often have fun with this on um on twitter and i might do it again but when you put in new england shirt into into twitter you suddenly get a lot more interest so uh I often tweet something from Design Football. Sorry, I, I shouldn't be giving up these secrets, but I sometimes tweet uh, New England shirt, uh, and it gets a lot of clicks, surprisingly enough. Uh, but I'm talking about New England. Uh, now, can you explain New England to me as well? So New England Revolution, <laughs> what, is, what is New England first? So New England is the upper, is the northeast section of the United States. It, it's in theory centered around boston but i mean the state they actually play in foxborough which is outside of boston it's sort of that general region uh it's sort of the new england rate you know going on back in the united states history sort of that region of the colonies that's where it started in terms of new england and they combined that with the revolution they come up with new england revolution it's not a bad name uh in you know sort of the american sports lexicon you know they're, they're nicknamed the revs they have a great supporters group the name is escaping but basically after a goal they shoot like old school muskets so there's there's some elements about the team that really work the the elements that don't work is their their logo, which is the original logo from 1996, which was bad in the 90s, and now is, I guess it's quasi-cool. It's like the 20-year cycle. It's actually cool again, but it is, I mean, it's it's basically a paint, you know, so, sort of soccer ball with stars and, like, wavy red lines. It's awful. Their crest is awful. It's the worst one in MLS. They are one of, like, two or three remaining teams still using the original crest. And there's, of all the teams that should have rebranded, it's them, but they haven't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, will, I will respond to that. I think we'll maybe we'll talk about the crest in a little while, and maybe I'll respond to that. But okay. in terms of this season's – so this is a – is this a primary jersey or secondary jersey? Primary, the home shirt. This is the new home shirt. This one's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they've gone navy blue. so. You know, they usually use navy blue for the uh, home shirts and the early years and not so much. But in 2012, 2013, they really they really stripped it down. They went navy blue, red trim, very, very solid, very clean, um, no sort of extra flourishes. And the last couple have been really good. I think this continues it. And now with the, you know, the Adidas stripes moving to the to the sort of rib torso area. Um, this one really works. Now, what the big thing for this year is they use a red and blue vertical stripe, sort of half half red, half blue stripe down the middle, and it, there's a chevron effect at the top of it, right around the uh, the top of the chest that frames the uh, shirt sponsor. Now, there there's been a lot of stuff going around that's a PSG ripoff, and maybe so, but in terms of of just pure appearance, this one really works for me. Yeah, uh, I do like it, and and I think the the navy seems so dark that I actually thought it was black. I think it doesn't scream at me. I don't be maybe because of the chevron design and and various other things. It doesn't scream Paris Saint Germain to me. It it seems it seems distinct from that, and we haven't really talked about that. But yeah, the Adidas stripes down the sides of the shirts for several of them this season. Uh, that makes a massive difference. So it's it's a classy 
reference to the manufacturer, but it it doesn't draw the eye in the same way that that it did when it was on the shoulders on the, and on the sleeve. So uh, it allows another design element to stand out from the rest. And in this case, it is that central central stripe come chevron design, which is great. And the sponsor looks great on that one as well. It's it's quite classily done. I think it's a healthcare provider or something like that. Um, so that's really good. Uh, in again, contrasted with that, New York Red Bulls, which is a one of the most famous clubs in in MLS, and particularly because uh, Thierry Henry went to play for him a couple of years ago, that that has a different approach. So this it's very bold logos and so on. Um, something I noticed about that is they have the name of the club, but also like essentially the Red Bull energy drink on the lower back. Now, what are the regulations about that? Why is that allowed? I don't know the exact regulations. I know that, uh, as I spoke about earlier, before they used to have like MasterCard all over the place. And, and in the early years, there was a lot of just slapped on logos all over the place. And they, they, got, they got rid of that. And this is more of a... I don't know where they're trying to replicate. I know a lot of German shirts have a lot have some sort of sponsor on the back. And I don't know whether it's a sort of shout out to that or or what they're trying to do but yeah the it's right on the back uh right above the hem and um in terms of the exact regulations i guess i don't know yeah it's i i it's something that wouldn't be allowed with a secondary sponsor wouldn't be allowed they basically are the sponsor as well which is a strange thing it's it's strange also because the the shirt is quite a classic design but then you suddenly have these big bold logos that I don't know. It's that is what that sort of shirt is. Is why people in Europe will sometimes scoff at MLS and say, "Well, it's it's not proper. It's not it's not going to be something that's in competition with us because they still do things like that." But it's it completely in contrast to other sports, like we've mentioned before, where we don't, just don't have that sort of advertising. But yeah, it, an interesting design in the way it's it's presented like that. Uh, another team. Seattle Sounders, uh, they've got a new primary and third jersey, haven't they? Yeah, so uh, Seattle is um, Seattle is hipster, pretentious, hated, loved. They're a whole bunch of things. I mean, even in terms of their color palette, it's rave green, cascade shale, and sounder blue. Like those are the the actual official colors, and and they they've kind of played around with these over the years. And what they've done for their home shirt is it's always been sort of this, you know, rave green with sort of the sounder blue trim. And this year, one of the things that Adidas has done for MLS is sort of do the solid sort of chest, the main part of the jersey, and contrasting sleeves. They've done a couple of, couple of shirts like that. And this one is, is sort of the rave green body with the sounder blue sleeves. I really like this one. I, I I think it, it, it takes a, a design element and it combines it with colors and it really makes it work. In this country, uh, we have a rhyme that... Now, there's various versions of this. So there's there's blue and green should never be seen. Um, and then some people say with nothing in between. Now, for that shirt is exactly that. So it's, it's green body with blue sleeves. And that, for Kick Geeks, that instantly brings to mind... An Arsenal shirt from the an Arsenal away shirt, I think, from the early '80s, which is regarded as a, a terrible shirt. But some people, it's like a cult classic now, and they've they've reproduced it. Um, the 
the way it works on on that shirt, it's because I think it's quite a popular team, and a lot of people. I think Clint Dempsey played for him, or I don't know if he still does. So a lot of people in this country um, still they know the Seattle Sounders, and it's those colours are tied to them, and maybe it's accepted, but. When those when the team came out and they were wearing those colours straight away, what was the reaction to it? Was it that's terrible, or is it is it something that eventually people have come to terms with? For the Seattle Sandlers, those are their colours. Like even from when they play in the old NASL and they were bouncing around the you know USL in preparation of joining MLS, that has been their colours. So I, I I could see how from a a non-American perspective. It could be like either the blue and green together or those colors specifically it could be kind of jarring. But for Americans, it's like that is what they've always been. And it, it it's just, it makes sense. It, we just accept it. Okay. Now the, the third, the new third jersey, this is one I really liked, but you're not a big fan of it, are you? I'm not. Uh, only because, so uh, we've talked several times about Adidas taking chances and flexing design muscle, as you said. This one, Seattle in particular, has really experimented with their third jerseys. And if you Google search them, you will find some, like, you have to wear sunglasses for the one of their first ones. It was electric yellow. It's, it's bright. And they've taken another chance on this one as well. It, it's, it's a navy blue sort of heathered t-shirt effect, which I don't mind so much. And then they introduced a... Uh, a new color, which they call Pacific Blue. It's sort of, again, it's this highlighter baby blue sort of shade that, that has been introduced. And that's used as the as a sort of the accenting, contrasting color. And that that does not bug me so much as, again, the shorts. The shorts don't work for me. I think if they continued with the navy blue as the shorts and socks, that would have worked for me. But the the shorts don't work for me. That that was my biggest thing. Yeah, I... I... I uh, completely disagree with all that. The, um, the shorts, I, I've only seen like the top part of the shorts because of the picture I saw, it was just mainly focused on the shirt. So I'm going to look into what the shorts are, but I think they're going to be like my hips to purchase and I'm going to buy a pair of those shorts to, to wear to the gym. I do like the look of those. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to look into that. It probably cost me about £5,000 to have them shipped over from the US, but it'll be worth it. So I'm the best, best dressed person in the gym. Uh, the other thing is, and you've mentioned this, I do like base layers, and that sort of marl effect, whatever it is that they've done with the with the jersey, I I know the answer to this question, but the base layer should have the same effect. And if it hasn't got the same <laughs> effect, then I'm going to be furious about it. But I I, I know and, and, that it won't have it. And that was a red flag I saw coming. <laughs> okay. All <laughs> yeah, right. Fair yeah, because, I mean, based, you know, uh, based on our previous conversations and your podcast, I know that it would be amazing. I think it would be amazing just to see once a base layer that sort of took a design element from a shirt and continued it. Cause I imagine the base layer will probably be navy blue or whatever, but it would be, it would be interesting to see that. I don't, I, for me on TV, you wouldn't even see it unless it was like a close up, like on a corner kick or something. So from far away, it would still look navy blue, but I think, you know, for the, for your, for your, your particular taste, I think it would be amazing. Mm. <laughs> thank you for thinking of me uh but the uh all right well the adidas that is the that is the gauntlet set down for you so let's let's see if they could do it i don't think they're going to do it this season but maybe um now that's those are all the shirts that i was interested in talking about is there anything else that that any other standout shirts maybe new ones or existing ones that that have, have grabbed your attention I, I guess for the new ones i really liked um 
uh, two come to mind. One would be the Philadelphia Union home shirts. Now, Philadelphia has a lot of uh, patriotic references to their whole their whole branding. So you you kind of have to buy into that to understand uh, their shirt. But anyway, it's 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 a navy blue body with a khaki or goldish uh, band down the middle. So if you think if you think Ajax and you reverse out the colors to navy blue and khaki down the middle. Uh, that has been basically their shirt since the beginning uh, with just basic variations. What they did this year is uh, they have a snake, which has historical reference and whatever, but they use a snake skin design element down the middle. And I really like that. It really works for me uh, in terms of the color and how they were able to use sort of the snake skin image. And I think the other one I really like is Orlando City's away shirt. They, um, they're they a second-year team, so they kept the home shirt, which is all purple. They sort of own it like, uh, you know, Anderlecht or um, Fiorentina. But what they did with their away shirt is they did this contrasting sleeves. It's another example of the contrasting sleeves, which I really like. It's the white body with these purple sleeves, and um, it that one really works for me. It's a nice contrast. It keeps their purple. Orlando, like I said, really owns the purple, but then it uses a white so they can wear it on the road or or whatever. So those two I, I particularly liked. Hmm. Okay, I'll check those out as well. Uh, by the way, all of these jerseys, I would imagine, can be found on footballshirtculture.com. So if you go on there, most of the recent releases will be the uh, the MLS ones because uh, they've, they've been the ones that have been most notable recently over the last few weeks. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Uh, just something we've, we've touched on is the crests. Now, my stance on the new... And, and it's something you've said, but New England, when that team first came about so 20 years ago let's say um when i saw the crest i probably would have been appalled by it now this is like the new york red bulls thing it's almost as if that is what sets apart the mls from the rest of the world now where they fall short i think is where they try to replicate crests that we have in this country where let's say the the club is 120 years old and it's it's got a very intricate ornate crest. And if you try to do that in America, it just doesn't really work because you have different principles, not in America, but in the modern day, we have different principles regarding how to how to carry out branded. So where it's like halfway between this historical crest and the new crest is where it goes wrong. Something like that, which was obvious branding and, and was very bold. So it's it's a wavy American flag. And the stars element in the corner looks exactly like a champions league ball so a, a european champions league football um and i don't know whether that logo was already in place or whether people are looking to sue or what but i actually love the new england revolution crest uh with the other crests I, I, i'm not too keen some of them are quite bold uh there's an la team but uh, la is there a new la team is that right lafc yep lafc so they've got is it a wing or something on the crest? That one I like as well. Yep, they released that uh, maybe a month ago, and they use a very classical, uh, a lot of classical elements. The I, I believe the badge is the shape of the LA City badge. It, they took that, and then they use sort of a very art, art, artsy font uh, for the L and the A, and the wing comes over the comes out of the A, 
it looks really sharp and it's um you know the team has not played yet there's a lot of speculation about what this team will be and will do but from a branding perspective i mean that their marketing their merchandise is going to sell and sell a lot yeah and and that's that is the modern approach and that's when we rebrand when european clubs rebrand it's always met with um it's not welcomed let's say uh because it's it's like you're you're binning history in america especially with new clubs like that it's you have the blank canvas and you could create something iconic from from nowhere and because it's a relatively new league all right 20 years now but um it, in our eyes compared with the european leagues it's a new league to to carry on releasing new things it, it maybe is something that people are more accepting of and yeah like that one is a great logo and it's uh in terms of marketing it's, it's sure to do well so that's great the one thing that confuses me and i don't know whether it's it's the it's something to do with the marketing um and and i'm just wrong on it but a lot of the crests seem to be printed on or it's like a transfer rather than embroidered logos so some of them the embroidered look would would improve it i think is that on the replica shirts, are they embroidered or are they just like a plasticky design? It, it really does depend. Um, I know that, you know, there's some, you know, some players I think would prefer the heat transfer. There's less sort of rubbing in that chest area. And then, you know, then there's the extra cost and, and whatever. But um, sometimes, yeah, I think it really depends on the individual crust, whether the heat transfer or the embroider would work. Uh, some of them are quite complicated and that would be a lot of stitching and i'm not sure it would come across that well i'm thinking like maybe columbus crew with those sort of the inner circle there's there's diagonals and checkers I, you know i'm not sure if that would work um but yeah it's 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 kind of a little bit of each yeah the a lot i know on the marketing because i i sometimes go to the uh the online store for the for a lot of these clubs and I see that they sell both versions uh, almost as standard. So you could get the player version or you get the the stadium version, they call it, which is like what we call a replica shirt. Um, so I don't know if we're in the marketing, they may be showing the player's jersey. So that's why it has a heat transfer crest rather than an embroidered crest, or if right. any of them are actually embroidered if you buy them in the stores, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's that is where the balance comes in again. If it is a an old style crest, then maybe it would work embroidered. So the the New England one, despite it being a, a modern design in the '90s, I still think that one would work quite well being embroidered. And it looks a little bit cheap if it's done another way. But some of them have got metallic elements as well. So some of them have, have got are like shiny, reflective, and so there's there's certainly something a lot going on in the MLS that we don't see in the rest of the world. Yeah, that's one of the uh, twenty. One of the recent trends is I think it's called lenticular printing. You know, someone way smarter than me might know the actual. But anyway, they've tried this three D printing element, and so that yeah, it has so the crest has depth and texture. I know that I think Chicago's this year is supposed to have that, and I want to say Philadelphia. I'd have to go through all my notes, but I know that they're that's something that they're trying. And again, that podcast I referenced before on Extra Time Radio, they had tried it in the past, and it didn't work it looked awful and they've continued to play with it and they re they're really excited about the chicago one so if you can sort of get a visual on that i would definitely suggest finding that okay uh something else mls jerseys have 
they have the they recently changed the logo so a couple of years ago they got a new new logo for the mls which the old one looked a little bit like uh the the baseball one i think um that that sort of approach the new one is very very different so what there are several elements to the new say two years old uh mls crest or or uh, corporate logo what are the elements to that yeah like you said the old ones was a sort of rounded rectangular had a had a, had a foot coming through kicking a soccer ball and said mls or major league soccer and uh that lasted you know almost 20 years and in, in sort of different iterations but basically the rectangular box in uh, last year or late 2014 they blew it up and they have really rebranded mls as as an as a league and they re, they redid the website and they did all stuff so the basic the basic shape is a shield the shield that most people would be uh familiar with and they put M, the letters mls in the upper right upper left hand corner excuse me and then after that it gets kind of I don't know, a little pretentious. They have a, a slash that goes that cuts the thing in half that represents the first half and the second half. So they say there's the stars that represent their values. It's club, country, and community. Um, the perimeter represents the lines that mark the field of play. Uh, and then they have the kickstand, which it, the slash continues through the shield and sort of comes out the other side. And there's this like little part that's hanging off that's been nicknamed the kickstand then you have this white area which was when that first was released people put all kinds of stuff in there both appropriate and inappropriate uh but anyway that's that was sort of a window into the league i mean they it it's a shield that's cut in half and says mls that's what it looks like but then they put all this stuff on top of it and sort of take it for what's worth okay the this changes on each team depending on the team's colors is that right so on the sleeve correct so the primary colors are used for the trim and and the sort of solid part of the shield and so on okay um so this is something that this i don't know if it's actually going to happen but there's there's talk about it happening with the new premier league logo in the uk which is very very corporate uh the idea is that maybe the premier league color the colors of this patch on the sleeve will change for different clubs in in the Premier League, so in the same way as the MLS, so that's a a strange influence into Europe, which is which is coming from the MLS, which is interested as well. Um, something else that MLS jerseys have is a jock tag. Can you tell us what that is? Well, I I can now because I you know I I saw that as well, and I guess I'd always known that there were jock tags. I just didn't know what they were called. So in in a very American thing. Um, in, in the same way that a lot of soccer jerseys say either authentic or replica, and then they have a series of numbers uh, along the hem, what American sports have done is either they used to do by size, so you knew which size you were buying, and, and they would put other design elements, you know, either the, the manufacturer or some sort of shout out down there. But what uh, MLS has done over the last couple of years is introduce has taken this jock tag concept and they put things down there that are either historic, usually historical. So for instance, like the Seattle Sounders, uh, their jock tag is the, I think one of the original Sounder logos, I think is, is theirs. Philadelphia Union, the snake that I mentioned earlier, it's this coiled gold snake down there. Um, LA's is they, they, they're, they're working on this, this theme of this is LA. So that's that, that's theirs down there. Um, so it's either part of the crest or some sort of historical reference. 
it's just a little it's a little design element that I don't know. It sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. For me, I could take it or leave it. Yeah, I think I'm not sure which team it is. I I assume it's Tustin, but they have the Texan flag, do they? One of the Texas teams has a, a yep. Texan flag down there. Is that right? Yep. Which, yeah, but... it, which for me is sort of a lot of them blend in, you know, or or a nice contrast. This one almost is two. So the Texas flag is blue, red, and white. So on the black, it sort of jumps out and not in a good way. Yeah, uh, that's the what the most striking one that I've seen because obviously it's a simple and recognizable flag. But like you say, if if it's in complete uh, colors, completely different to the to the club actually wearing, and then it's it's going to stand out that way. Um, just for the for people who don't know this, MLS now has a new stars system. Now it seems very very early days for in a in a league's history to be having stars on jerseys. So how does the new stars system work? So this has been a lot of um, a big I don't know subject of consternation. Um, you know. Uh, you know, Juventus gets, you know, in Italy, you get, a, you know, the gold star for every 10 Scudetti and, you know, every 10 Coppa Italia wins. So there's, there's, it makes sense. Um, and, you know, other teams just sort of incorporate it for European wins or, or, or whatever. Um, MLS has this convoluted system and I, I think it overcomplicates things. I think it should, so, you know, MLS, you know, it's an American league. We do things a different way. Um, like we have a playoff system. Basically, when you win the league, you win what's called the supporter shield, and that was created completely from the supporters. Before, it wasn't recognized anything as the number, unless other than the number one seed in the playoffs. So, supporters create an actual trophy that goes from team to team, um, and that signifies that you were the best team in the league during the season. Now, we don't play everyone home and away, and there are several other factors that make it an American league, which doesn't translate to other leagues around the world. But anyway, so then you get the playoff system. So then the, really the MLS cup team is recognized as the MLS champion. Uh, that's how that works. So obviously, you know, MLS sees other teams around the, around the world using a star. So they're like, okay, well, let's use a star. And then it was sort of non-standard. So, like, you know, LA Galaxy had a bunch of stars because they won a bunch of trophies. DC United had a bunch of stars because they won a bunch of trophies. But then other teams started introducing a star and, and so on and so forth. So here we go. I'm going to try to explain this from the MLS website as best I can. So the defending champion, so that's Portland Timbers for this year, will have a star over their crest with the year that they won. So that's one champion. And then, you know, if you've won two championships, you get a gold star and then a silver star underneath it for every one that you've won. And then for um, a five championships, you get a gold star, a gold star that stays over your crest forever. Um, and then as you go out, it changes from gold to silver, and then post, you know, basically a gold star, silver star. The gold star is for the actual year that you won it. It's sort of like that FIFA shield that they get for European excuse me, for the uh, Club World Cup champion or the World Cup champions. So it's kind of convoluted. I, you know, basically, if you really want to see it, go to the MLSsoccer.com website and check it out. But that they're trying to make it more uniform instead of people just willy-nilly putting stars above their shirt, above their crests. Yeah, the the idea of, of stars so early is, is confusing. Because as you say, in 
in European competition, it's 10 domestic titles. Generally speaking, it's 10 domestic titles or it's winning the European Cup, let's say. Some people will put a star above that. And sometimes they're actually recognised by leagues. Sometimes they're just stuff you put on there. So Juventus, as you mentioned, they had... I think maybe three stars when when they were only allowed two, or they they were they got a kit from Nike which only had two stars on it, and they got angry about it because they actually regard themselves as having one uh, enough Scudetti worthy of three stars, so they put tape over the over the yeah, the two stars, so they had no stars. So that's complicated enough. But when a league decides to do it, it does it on the uh, current champion. And then if you've won five, and then if you've won two, and if you've won two in a row, this is not something... And you've explained it as, as well as it possibly could be explained in this format, I think. You you do need to go to the website and, and check it out with the pictures. It does make sense, but it's complicated, and it's, it's overly complicated, and it's probably entirely unnecessary uh, at this stage. But it's something like... As a US team, do US teams win the... Is there a a Champions League, isn't there, that also includes Mexican teams and Canadian teams? Is that... Yeah, there's, there's the CONCACAF Champions League. So CONCACAF, excuse me, is North and Central America. So it's, you know, it's Canada, United States, Mexico, and then some of the Caribbean countries. And it's a two, it's a two-stage tournament. There's a group stage. So our, the group stage happened in the fall. And then the knockout phase, eight teams make the knockout phase. That's going to kick off here shortly. And then the winner of that's home and away uh the whole the entire tournament is uh excuse me the knockout phase is home and away including the final and the winner of that is the CONCACAF representative at the club world cup okay and so as a us as an mls team ever won that not in the current format dc united i believe won the early 90s and um i think only two mls cups have even made the mls teams have even made the final so last year well last year montreal made the final but of course they're from canada but they lost to club america i'm pretty sure in uh, uh home and away um it's it's dominated by mexican teams mls cup mls teams are lucky to get to the final um, there are several reasons for that that we won't go into, but um, MLS teams very rarely make the final, and they've never been to this this Club World Cup as we know it today. Okay, well, uh, we'll we'll see how that progresses. Obviously, the the popularity of the league is increasing, and uh, as it grows, I suppose better players will continue to come to the uh, to MLS. And perhaps earlier in their careers as well. So we'll we'll see if they do improve, and maybe maybe, yeah, they'll bag themselves a few of those. Um, regarding the future as well, so I, I think this is probably something that's quite important to you. The Atlanta uh, are getting a new team, is that right? Correct. So they will kick off uh, about a year from now, March twenty seventeen. Okay. So we've we we don't know what we know what colours they're going to wear. We don't know what kits they're going to wear. As yet, I think there are designs on designfootball.com and probably it's it's in need of a competition. So we'll probably put a competition on there so so we could have uh, an idea of what people think they should be wearing. Uh, the crest is something that already has been designed. Now, I would describe this um, in more ways than one as fucking A. Is that, would that be correct? <laughs> yes, uh, it's, a, it's a very bold... A in the center, in uh, in the center of a circle, which is framed by uh, black and red horizontal stripes. The the uh, A is is the uh, metallic gold of 
of Atlanta United. And um, it, it's a very basic design, but I like it. It's clean. It's timeless. It's not, I don't think it will date like uh, some of the other crests do. Uh, and is it, is it the best crest ever seen in the history of the world? No, but it's, it's very down the middle. And uh, I think it'll hold up pretty well. Yeah, I think what I've been saying, whether it's rubbish or, or correct or not, but that one seems to marry very well, uh, brilliantly marry the the old idea of of traditional crests with the idea of very bold uh, the marketing. Uh, here is what our symbol is in, in very simple terms. So that one seems to do it very well. Uh, the colours of the club, what are they going to be? So they, it's uh, oh, I forgot to write it down. But anyway, I, the the red is victory red. The black is sort of a dark charcoaly black, um, and then it's a it's a metallic gold. It's not like a bright gold. Um, it, it's it's more subtle than that, and and the three colors go really well together. So are we thinking AC Milan kits then? That's what I. That's what we're thinking. Um, I think that there's a there's a void there in terms of uh, for people who may or may not know MLS history. So the old New York, New Jersey Metro Stars used to have the vertical black and red stripes, and then they became New York Red Bulls, and their color scheme got completely overhauled. But um, yeah, I, I think that that's that's you know it it that's their colors. It will mimic the uh, crest in the way that Montreal sort of did a did a mimic their crest with the black and red, more of an inter design. But I think black and red stripes for sure on the home shirt is the way to go with that. Now the away shirt could kind of be all over the place. There's a, a lot of ways they could go. I know you, when you came on my podcast, we talked about a possible gold away shirt that again, you know, would have to be executed correctly or else it'll look awful. My guess is that they will go white to start. And then when they sort of get their feet underneath them, they'll probably maybe introduce a, a gold, but uh, my guess is that a black and red home and then a white away. Okay. Ideal. Well, uh, good luck to them then. And uh, we look forward to seeing those kits. And yeah, I think it needs a, a competition on, on designforward.com. Uh, this has been fantastic, Austin. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I, this has been an absolute education for me. As, as you've probably concluded, I am a moron when it comes to uh, American soccer. So it's been... It's been great uh, to speak to you, and, and I've learned a lot. Uh, just uh, for people's information, Austin does run the Soccer Nomad blog. The address for that is soccernomad.wordpress.com. And Austin could also be contacted on Twitter, which is at AustinLong1974. So uh, if you have any queries, uh, then give Austin a shout. Uh, Thank you again, Austin. Uh, I hope this has been enjoyable for you and I haven't annoyed you too much. Oh, no, this has been great. Uh, you know, uh, lo you know uh, looking at the new kits, it's always exciting to see them rolled out. And, you know, I've almost had some hits and some misses, but it's been great to talk about. Okay, ideal. So we'll be having someone else on the podcast uh, in the next episode. Not sure who that is yet, but uh, stay tuned for that. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. So that's designfootball.com and designfootball respectively. And if you wanted to speak to me, I'm J29ers on Twitter. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.